we invite you to attend the January 2023 Nomad Offshore Summit here in Lisbon, Portugal. This podcast channel is about you, successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors, sponsored by ECJ Contacts. Okay, so I know people are going to be popping in and out. We had a, a large number of RSVPs to this one, uh, nearly 200. It's been a while since we've gone into triple digits. Normally it's like mid to high double digits, so that's good. So, I, you know, in, we, with HEG.tax, we do these live streams more or less every week. And the two most popular ones are Spain and Portugal for a number of reasons. Anyway. Thank you for joining us, HEG.tax. And as I mentioned, we do this every week. If you want to see what's coming up next, you go to HEG.tax forward slash events, as easy as that. We're going to be doing a live event. So we're going to do a live event in person in Portugal at the end of January 2023. So feel free to check that out. We get an opportunity to meet each other, as well as to take a deeper dive into some of these issues, which is always a good thing. Right now, we having an online discussion, right? One the important thing we like people to understand is that this should not be construed as tax advice. We're having a general conversation about general principles. If you want what we call actionable intelligence, you need to engage a professional who knows your situation inside out. So, there's a limit to what we can understand about your situation and therefore about your question in a few minutes or a few seconds. So therefore, what we're hoping that you'll do is take the responses as in, as an indication of the key concepts you need to take to your preferred advisor. But general conversation, general principles, you can consider it education or even entertainment. So, right. So. We're both, uh, Augusto and I are both licensed tax professionals, so we need to be respectful of the terms of our license. So as people still trickle in, thank you, good to see you. If you have any problems hearing us, just let me know. So typically what we do, for those who've been on before and I'm seeing some familiar names, is that Augusto will go through a PowerPoint presentation. But we've done this, this is, we've done this like 10, 15 times. So we've done this quite a number of times. And from what we can see on the YouTube channel anyway, many people have been enjoying that video where he goes through the, the you know, the general principles, especially around NHR, which is where a lot of the questions come. So we're not going to go through the PowerPoint presentation again. Again, if it is that you want to see that overview, just go to our YouTube channel, just go to YouTube and look for HGJ tax, hgj.tax, you can plug that in. And when you get to the YouTube channel, you can just put it search in for NHR, non-habitual residence, and Augusto will pop up and he will walk you through the basics of NHR. So what we're gonna do this time, you guys are really excited. You guys have sent in a lot of questions, which is good. So we're gonna go through those questions from now right if you did not get a chance because we got i got an email up to like 15 20 minutes ago asking if it's too late no it's not too late if you want to ask a question you could just go to the box below if you're on zoom or if you're on facebook you can just type in the comments below just type it 
and we get to them in the order in which they receive. But we have quite a few questions, so please forgive us if we're not able to answer everybody's questions today. Augusta, it's a public holiday for those of you in Portugal. Happy Republic Day. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but it's a public holiday. So Augusta is only with us for half an hour, and then I'll take us to the end of the hour. So without further ado, a couple of you sent me through a link to an article in Entrepreneur Magazine. It basically looked at the US and talked about the top 10 countries that Americans are looking to retire for those who want to retire overseas. Number one is Mexico. Well, that kind of is easy. It's right next door. Number two is Portugal. So there you go. It's the number two jurisdiction for the entire United States for retirees. Those who want to retire overseas, number two is, is, is Portugal. Just to round it up, number three is the Philippines, four Italy, five Thailand, six Spain, seven Canada, eight France, nine Costa Rica, and number 10, the United Kingdom. So quite topical. The first question is about retirement income. So this is a question from Paula. So Paula is asking, hello, everybody. I'm Portuguese and I've lived in the U.S. since she's lived in the U.S. a long time. Okay. I am planning to retire and return to Portugal in two years with my husband, who's also retired. I have a number of questions related to the non-habitual residence tax regime, the NHR. So she has four questions for us, right? So the first question is, if the tax we have to pay on our retirement in the U.S. is greater than the 10% of the NHR in Portugal, and in brackets she has that this includes Social Security, 401k, IRAs, will we have to pay any additional tax in Portugal? Or according to the double tax agreements, in this case, we'd only have to pay U.S. tax and no Portugal tax. We get this question every single time. So, Augusto? So, uh, first of all, thank you, Darren, for, for the mm -hmm. invitation for, and, and to, uh, thank all the participants. Um, so, with respect to the, the pension income, uh, so uh, for those that uh, move uh, now to Portugal, the NHR regime foresees a taxation of 10% of pension, pension income from foreign source. There are uh, some, some exceptions, uh, for example, in case uh, of benefits uh, um, to, uh, from social security or similar regime for uh, public servants. Um, but uh, in general terms, uh, those cases of social security benefits and other uh, pension uh, products would be subject to the 10% flat rate here in Portugal. Right. So then from, again, from Paula's point of view, I, I can tell she's been doing some research, so she's been doing some reading, so she's aware of the double tax agreement. So what we have to do from a U.S. point of view is take that 10%, assuming that she has worked in the private sector. So as Augusto has pointed out, and it, it comes back to the definition of pension. So in the U.S., we have a wider definition of pension, but in, the, in, in Portugal, there's a specific definition of pension, right? Which means that for the purposes of enjoying that tax-free, so no Portugal tax, no 10% no tax, that pension has to rise from public service. So you must have worked for the government, whether it be state or federal, then that pension, the Social Security and the IRA and the 401k, then it would be free of tax. Otherwise, 
it's going to be taxed. Now, you will not be double taxed. So don't worry about that. And the reason why is that whoever's doing your U.S. side, Portugal gets first bites, assuming that you worked in the private sector. So Portugal do its 10%. Then you can recategorize that income. It's some tax alchemy that we do on a Form 1116 on the U.S. returns that allows you to take that 10% tax as a deduction against any taxes owed to the U.S. and to the IRS in the U.S. So you're not going to be taxed double. You're not going to be double taxed. So don't worry about that. But please bear in mind that Portugal has a very specific treatment and definition and concept of a pension. And it is not as wide as the U.S. And it does not include a pension that's derived from work in the private sector. So I, I know this causes a lot of misunderstanding and controversy, but that's that's what it is. So Paula has three more questions. So let's jump on to the question number two. So are Social Security 401k and IRA income received in the U.S. taxed entirely at 10 percent or portions of this type of income taxed differently? Uh, Augusto, I think you answered that, but before you want to. Okay, uh, so uh, just uh, just uh, one remark that has to do with own contributions or tax uh, uh, tax contributions to these products, because uh, uh, the idea is that in case uh, the pension derives from own contributions uh, at, at the surrender. Or, or the moment that you receive the pension, only the income would be subject to taxation and not the full amount of the pension. Uh, because once the, the contributions have been made directly by, by, by uh, in this case, the taxpayer, the capital included in the, in, in the pension income should be excluded from taxation. That's, that's a great point. So typically, that's it, it becomes important that the, the taxpayer has kept detailed records because as tax professionals, what we have to do is bifurcate the income. So we have to divide it into, as Augusto says, between what was your contribution as, as a, a, an employee, what was your employee contribution, or what was the growth in the fund? because that 10% applies to the growth in the fund. Again, we're assuming that you work for the private sector, which obviously many people do. So just that growth in the fund becomes taxable to Portugal, not the entire amount. But again, but just to reemphasize, it's important that you get the distinction between work done for public service and work done for private sector. Okay. Question three in Paula's four-part questions. Question three, during the 10 years of the NHR, are there any deductions allowed on the amount of Social Security, IRA, and 401k? So basically U.S. retirement income. If yes, which ones? So I think, Augusto, I think we you already kind of touched on that. So the only deduction typically would be the bifurcation of the income to determine, the pension income to determine what was, what part was the employee contribution that you originally made versus what part is the return on the investment uh am i correct is there any other deduction yep. aside from that no uh, 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 unless we are talking about general deductions to the to the taxpayers that are applicable in portugal uh, um, 
to when it expires with the NHL regime or not. Uh, I don't know if the question would would uh, would be in that respect because we can have uh, different uh, tax deductions by the year end when we file the tax return. Basically, depend on the some expense expenses that taxpayers may have related to health, uh, mm -hmm. etc. Um, mm -hmm. And um, well. Oh, that's a good, that's a good also, point. Typically, what would be like the top three deductions on a typical Portugal well, tax return? Uh, Just ballpark. Uh, I would say the health expenses would be uh, most relevant. Uh, <laughs> there are expenses related with uh, rented houses, for example, mm -hmm. uh, and also expenses for uh, general uh, uh general personal expenses that have uh, a cap of 250 euros by per year but it is what it is <laughs> okay so it's kind of low so it's really health and rental so that this is if you have rental income so, right two examples uh, okay. rental yeah. uh, no if you pay rent uh, oh, for okay. a rental house mm -hmm. for example. right okay so it'll be the the big two okay great Thank you for that. And the fourth part, and of, of course, and of uh -huh. course, for we have also deductions for key, uh, for children, mm -hmm. children and health, uh, education expenses. It's also okay. So relevant one. So health, rent, rental accommodation, and kids education. So that might yeah. be it yeah. could be yeah. three big ones. Okay. Hopefully that answers Paula's question. Paula's and last is, question. Yeah. And there is also a fixed deduction uh, mm -hmm. for pension income. It's uh, circa 4,000 4, euros that is applicable. Mm -hmm. So it's like pension a standard income. deduction kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, gotcha. Paula's last question. After 10 years of the NHR, what are the deductions allowed under the normal tax regime? <laughs> I think we've answered that question. More or less so she's asking what are the, the normal deductions under the regular Portugal tax regime after the NHR is done? And where can we find more detailed info on this subject? Well, <laughs> in the, I, I don't think that the, the, the deductions are summarized in a specific document uh, well, so um, are they you know <laughs> would you recommend someone doing a consult you know do you is that something your team will be uh you know could they could Paula or anyone in a similar situation who's kind of planning and want to get a sense for what happens after 10 years can they reach out to you a member of your team to do sure. a paid consult yeah Okay, so we've given you so unfortunately, Paula, there's no we're not aware of any place online that summarizes the the key deductions that happen after ten years. But you can reach out to Augusta directly or to me, and I'll introduce you to Augusta via email, and you can set up a a, a paid consult with the right member of his team to go through that if you want to do that kind of forward planning post NHR. Okay. Uh, Okay, great. And of course, it, seeing that you, you're planning ahead, as I mentioned before, we are doing that uh, summit in January next year, and it gives the chance to meet up with, with us and Augusto as well and have further conversations on the topic. Next question. This is from Cindy. 
So Cindy just has two questions, not four. So Cindy has two questions. Her first question is for Portuguese income tax, does the 8515 rule apply to distributions from the following types of US retirement accounts? And she gives three US retirement accounts, 401ks, traditional IRAs, and Roth IRAs. Augusta, we spoke about this earlier. Yeah. Okay. So we spoke about the rule that mm -hmm. uh, says that uh, uh, we we will not tax as pension income the amount that we receive that corresponds to the capital contributions that we made in the past. Right. As individuals. So mm -hmm. when where uh, uh, the tax law also foresees a simplification rule meaning that if you are not able to demonstrate which part of the pension corresponds to capital and which part corresponds to income, then in such case, uh, the rule says that 50% corresponds to income and the 85% corresponds to capital. So this is, the, I believe, the 85-15% rule that is mentioned <laughs> in the question. Well, in respect to which which pension income um, benefits from this so we need to prove that the contributions were made um, by the, the taxpayer itself or such contributions were taxed subject to taxation so, uh, for example, if we have a product that well, the contributions were tax exempt, in such case, the full amount of the pension income would be subject to taxation. That's the idea. Okay, so that's an important point. So, this the 85, so the rule that you get to the you get to not tax the initial capital contribution by the taxpayer only applies to pension contributions that were from after-tax income. So the money has yeah. already been taxed. So yeah. for example, after-tax would be like a Roth in the US, you have a Roth, right? Yeah. If it is, you have like uh, maybe a traditional IRA where it's pre-tax money that goes in, then the entire amount will be subject to 10% tax. And that's the idea, yeah. Okay, gotcha, understood. Okay, Cindy, I hope that answers your question very comprehensively. Uh, the second question from Cindy is, how is income from US-based LLCs taxed in Portugal? Yeah, this is another one that we get pretty often. So essentially this has to do with the nature of the LLC, specifically if there's real economic substance in the US, as opposed to just being a shell company and management and control is exercised from Portugal. So basically it's a single member LLC. You are the only person working for with this LLC and you're sitting in Portugal. So that fact, the facts and circumstances will drive its tax treatment. Augusta, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. I see, yeah. So it, it, the situation would be different. Uh, mm -hmm depending on those factors. Exactly, yeah. And it is, it is quite a, you know, a, a widely discussed topic because some people, they, you know, they are aware of this. So we explain it to them and they're perfectly aware of this, uh, 
of the dynamics of the situation, but they can, they continue to file or represent themselves to the tax authority in Portugal as if there's real substance in the LLC in the US and therefore these, the distribution is treated as a dividend, so it's tax free. But, you know, I guess they, they're counting on the, I, the fact that as one person told me is the tax agent in or the tax officer and the Portugal tax office is going to check. Are they going to really investigate? Are they really going to ask? You know, I guess chances are no, but it could happen. And if it could happen, then you might be in some problems if you have misrepresented the, the situation. So it is, you know, it's just, just one of those things that you'd want to be careful about. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Cindy. I hope that answers your question. Okay, there's someone else asking now. Uh, and for those who have come, who just come in, I see people coming in, you can type your question in the box below and I'll get to them in the order in which we get it, right? So someone is asking, I have questions about NHR status and crypto income, if it's the main source of income. I read that crypto isn't taxed in Portugal, except if it's your main source of income. I also saw that NHR status was a bit different. So I'm a bit confused. That will be all. Thank you very much. Okay. So crypto, uh, we, again, one of those questions we get every time. Augusta, how, how is crypto being treated? Okay. So in Portugal, uh, at least currently, there is no specific uh, tax rules applicable to income deriving, deriving from crypto. Uh, and based on that uh, lack of specific regulation, the understanding uh, um, also from the tax authorities is that uh, the income deriving from crypto would only be taxed in those cases where uh, the activity is the main or a business activity developed by the taxpayer and so uh, uh, the, and this is very difficult to uh, uh, to assess in practical times um, be also because the definition of a business activity in this respect is not that that clear so if if we have someone to give a, an extreme example if we have someone that only uh, uh, trades crypto and also has uh, uh, others uh, income deriving from uh, activities related to crypto, this uh, person in theory can be catched by this uh, rule of uh, the income deriving from crypto being considered as business income. On the opposite side, someone that only had a transaction and decided to cash out those uh, in any gains would not be subject to taxation. These are the two extreme examples, but in the middle, there is some gray areas. Yeah, it is a very gray area. And I guess that's an important point to mention that it's not that crypto is tax-free, is that Portugal doesn't have a specific law to tax crypto at this point in time, and that can change. So as a result, uh, it is, for the want of a better word, it's a loophole. 
for the want of a better word, right? In other jurisdictions, that distinction between your main source of income and others, it's, it's, it is quite contentious in, in terms of law. So in other common law jurisdictions, like the UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, Hong Kong, you talk about Malaysia, you talk about badges of trade. So they're like nine or 12 uh, indicators derived from the, that rich history of common law and uh, cases, court cases, that has given rise to, okay, if you have these characteristics, then you are a trader. Therefore, you're deriving profit, so be taxable as profit. Whereas if you don't have those, then you are maybe you're an investor and it's going to be treated as capital gains. So it, it, And in the U.S., again, there's that distinction, again, derived not from British, but from U.S. Uh, case law, tax law as well. So they, so it's really a test of facts and circumstances, and it, it's hard it's hard to really nail it down. But in your case, uh, I, you didn't give your name, but in your case, if it is that it is your main income and you do it on a regular basis, so I'm just being extreme now. So you get up at you get up every morning, you know, you put on your, your t-shirt or whatever, you sit in front of your laptop and you are trading and you're doing it on a regular continuous basis. This is what you do from nine to five, Monday to Friday, every week. Then it sounds as if you're a trader and therefore this is profit to you. And perhaps this is taxable to Portugal. Whereas on the other extreme, maybe it's your main income, but you're an investor. So you invested 10 years ago, you got in Bitcoin early and you did nothing. And you know, you've, you've, you know, you've seen the ups and downs and you decide, you know what, I'm going to cash out some of that investment now to, to live on for the next year or so. And so you, you cash some out and you sell some tokens and now you have fiat. And that's it. You just did it once for the entire year. That's it. And you have money and you can pay your rent. You can travel around. Then that sounds like you're an investor and therefore it's capital gains. Of course, it'd be taxable to the U.S., but it may not be taxable to Portugal. So I use two extreme examples, but obviously for most people, it's somewhere in between. And if you want some guidance specific to your situation, then you probably need to reach out to Augusta directly, which, which you can just uh, reach, just shoot me an email. You can get us on our website, hud.tax, and I'll introduce you to Augusto or to the right member of his team that could really walk you through your unique circumstances and see how it will be treated from a Portugal tax point of view. From the U.S., it's going to be easy. It's tax no matter what you do, right? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's really Portugal where you have some opportunity to think things through carefully before you make a decision. Okay. Uh, Augusto, do you have time for one more or are you about to head out? Yeah, okay, one more. Sure. Okay. All right, let's see. We have a couple of minutes. So this, I'm just scrolling down. Okay, right. So I'm getting to Keith. I think Keith has asked another question, has asked two questions. Anyway, so Keith sent in these three questions. Hello, if it's not too late, I have a few basic questions. I'm from the US and I worked for the state of Florida my entire career. I have state government pension. Is that taxable in Portugal? No. No. Uh, so this is nope. the first guy in so long <laughs> that has come on who's actually worked in public service. So you get to 
Steve, give yourself a round of applause. Tax free in Portugal. You are the guy. So the second question yeah. from Keith. So just for you, completeness, sure, yeah. just because <laughs> under the double tax treaty concluded between Portugal and the US, mm -hmm. such pension income can only be taxed in the US. Right. So, perfect. It's clean. It's clear. No doubts. Okay, great. This one is a bit, there's a bit of doubt in this one. So question two, we moved here to Portugal on June the 8th. 8th of June of this year, we received our D7 approval and had our passport stamped. We then flew back to the US on July 29th and then returned to Portugal on August 16th. For tax purposes, which of these dates is considered the day we became Portugal tax residents, Augusta? Okay. So, uh, if the first day that that uh, uh, that um, were in Portugal was with the intention to stay, and you have a, a, a permanent house that you can stay here in Portugal, that that uh, in principle would trigger the. The, the tax residency from that date. On the opposite, if it was a first visit uh, to deal with some administrative issues and uh, you uh, stay in a hotel or, or similar, you do not have your own property yet, you are not decided to, <laughs> to move on a permanent basis, there may be grounds to sustain that only in August you made that decision and you came here with the intention to stay on a permanent basis from that moment on. So that would be both could be could be applicable. But I think that there may be grounds to sustain that only in August. I don't know so if in this case we do not have information about, for example, having a property or not in Portugal already. Yeah. When they, the first said, when they were staying in a hotel or did they fall in love with a house and they bought a house in Kashkai or whatever? And yeah. so it really the facts and circumstances. So it could go either way. So it's really a test of intent. So the tax residence is driven by it. So did you intend to make Portugal your home, your base? So and they have yeah, and they have, center and, life. and they have a place to mm -hmm. to to live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that that place of uh, a place of habitual abode could demonstrate yeah. that Portugal has become yeah. your center of life. So that that it could be a, a, a rented property or long term rent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Long term rental contract. So it it could swing either way. Keith, it really depends on your facts and circumstances. So it happened this year. So next year, when you're ready to do this year's return, you can reach out to Augusto and him and the right member of his team will be able to guide you through that, that, that process to, and also, to make the right choice. Yeah. And just uh, for completeness, also mm -hmm. uh, from a formal perspective, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the registration with the tax authorities as a tax resident it, it, it is also relevant because uh, tax authorities require that you show some kind of 
document with the Portuguese address and also uh, uh, the documentation regarding the immigration process. So this is all relevant for the formal registration with the tax authorities and the date to consider. Okay. For example, to, you cannot register without a Portuguese address. Right, yes. Yeah, because you need to provide an address, exactly. Even for whether it's for the D7 or for NIF or whatever, you must have provided some sort of address. So that will also be indicative. Okay. All right. Uh, I have a question just popped up there. And I, I want to give you this one before you leave because I know you have to leave now. What are the taxes for capital gains in this geography matter? This is from Paul. So, yeah, so capital gains from, uh, from a Portugal point of view. What are the taxes for, I guess, for uh, an asset within Portugal versus an asset outside of Portugal, maybe? But but uh, the question is in any as uh, some asset in specific I was not uh, sorry so no uh, Paul didn't mention any particular asset stocks okay yep stocks okay yeah. securities yeah. Is, is okay yes yeah, oh, so uh, uh, in general general rule would be mm -hmm. that in case of uh, securities mm -hmm. uh, stocks for example. Uh, um, in Portugal, the capital gains deriving from the sale of uh, stocks uh, abroad would be subject to taxation at, uh, at uh, for now, at least at a flat rate of 28%. And those, those capital gains, um, for example, stocks in the US, would not benefit from exemption under the NHR regime. Okay. okay. So and and stocks from within a traded company from within Portugal. Okay. The same rule applies. So capital gains are taxed at twenty eight percent. There okay. there may be specific companies that are mm -hmm. uh, treated as. Uh, uh, small companies th that we can get a relief of fifty percent of the capital gain. Okay, that that's fantastic. And just as kind of like a health warning for those who are planning, there is discussion with policymakers in Portugal to raise that twenty percent. So basically, twenty percent is a concessionary rate, and so capital gains will be taxed like ordinary income, which would move up to forty something percent. Correct. Yes. So the the the, the rule foresees that uh, the um, the sale of sec uh, securities held for less than one year, so uh, they trading and similar transactions, uh, would be subject not to the flat rate of twenty eight percent, but to to the progressive tax rates applicable to the overall annual income of the taxpayer and this will enter into force in 2023 so as in this year so next year when we're doing our next tax returns for this year we're going to be hit by for short-term capital gains we're going to be hit no by no only capital gains yeah after the first of january to 2023 Oh, 23. Okay, gotcha. 
great. So it'll be 2024 Only... looking back in 2023. Gotcha. Gotcha. No. Okay. No. So until the end of the, the, the year, any transaction would, uh, would be subject to the 20%. Yeah. And it's similar to the US. We have this concept of short and long term capital gains as well, with short term capital gains being taxed at ordinary tax rates. But long term capital gains enjoy a, a reduced, yes. cap, uh, reduced tax rate. Yeah, in fact, there are two criteria. The first one is to be considered short term. And then the second one is the annual income of the taxpayer above 80,000 euros. So if we met these two criteria, then the capital gain will be subject to the progressive tax rates. Okay, wonderful. Augusto, I'll let you go. And I'll, thank you. Do, I'll deal with the other questions to the best of my ability. Augusto, thank you very much. Okay. We appreciate thank your time. You. Thank you. Drive. Apologies for leaving earlier. <laughs> no problem at all. Drive safely. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. All right. So I st we still have some questions. And Keith, I've seen your question as well. So you asked an additional question. So continue to put your questions below, and we'll use the remaining time to go through them. So someone is asking, is NHR tax-free? Well, as, as you would have uh, appreciated by now, it's quite nuanced. So I know it's sometimes put in a simplistic way in some forums, but no, it's definitely not tax-free. Some of your income may be tax-free. Some of your income may be subject to a reduced tax rate, but it would be disingenuous to say that it's, that it's all tax-free. I think it's, it's helpful to put it within a global context. There is a global movement, and not just talking about at the European Union level, but at the OECD or the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. There's a, a movement at that level to move to ensure that there's that someone money is taxed somewhere. Money has to be taxed somewhere. This is a global movement. So you know, even where people have traditionally looked at, for example, loopholes, as we say. Those loopholes are being addressed, not just by uh, fixing the legislation within the jurisdiction, but just by having sweeping concepts. For example, there's the principal purpose tax. So when, you know, there's been a habit of setting up shell companies in certain jurisdictions to get preferential treatment in another jurisdiction that, that, you know, for the most part in the developed world, any tax agent, any tax officer had taking a look at such a structure that has a structure that has no commercial purpose, that has solely been established for tax benefit, it will be disallowed. It'll be disallowed. You know, where the, there are lots of anti-avoidance directives, principal purpose tests, you know, economic substance tests. So those 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 things are really a, a, a relic of the past. And yeah, so I, I think if your intention is to pay no tax, Portugal, first of all, is not potentially the right place for you. There are other jurisdictions, and even those other jurisdictions, for example, like your Dubai or whatever, their days are probably numbered. So they are, you know, their movements have put, they've been put on a gray list, as has Hong Kong, the offshore companies in Hong Kong, they've been put on a gray list as the richer countries put pressure on these jurisdictions to step up and to tax everything. So no, it's not tax-free. Moving on. Uh, let's see, scrolling down. Yeah, so that that yeah, so somebody else is asking a question. So we spoke about that 28% tax on stocks 
from the US. So you have your shares in Tesla or Amazon or Microsoft or Apple or whatever it is in your portfolio, or maybe you have some sort of ETF, whatever, and you move to Portugal and then you discover, oh my goodness, if I sell anything, it's going to be taxed at 20% in Portugal, right? Which is actually higher than the long-term capital gains rate in the US. So my goodness, what have I got myself into? So there are other professionals or there are other forums I've seen and I've heard about where people are talking about using structures like in Malta or Cyprus. So in other words, you, you hold the shares, the US shares through a separate company or through a Maltese company. And then you receive, you sell their shares when you need to. And then the money comes to you in Portugal as dividends. So again, they, if the tax office is not taking a look, it may, it may work in the sense that you got away with it, but technically that's wrong. Again, as I mentioned earlier, there are a bunch of anti-avoidance directives and principal purpose tests that won't stand up to scrutiny. That simply will not stand up to scrutiny. And, uh, you know, when, when I talk to other tax professionals who advocate this, their response is, well, who's going to find out? You know, once, <laughs> once a tax, once a, a tax professional is, talking about who's going to find out, you know, it's probably not the, the most legal thing and it's not long-term. It's not a long-term strategy, unfortunately. So yeah, run, run very far, run, run, run very fast. And one thing that uh, tax offices do is that, you know, they're smart. There's a concept called an enabler. So I'll explain how it works like in the US, which is something, you know, jurisdiction most familiar to me. If it is they find someone who set up a, what they call a sham structure, a structure that is not technically correct, the first thing the agent is going to ask, who helped you? And that person is labeled an enabler. And then they go to that person and they see who else have they worked with. And then they audit every single client that they have. So my point is, if you work with a tax team that takes shortcuts, they may not catch you, but they may catch another client and that other client leads the tax off agents to the enabler and the enabler, that whole client book, that their whole list of clients will be subject to an audit, which would include you. So by association, yeah. So you'd want to avoid that. Next, uh, here's my question. Payment is asking, I reside in California which means in addition to federal income tax, I must also pay a state income tax to the state of California every year. If I obtain the D7 visa and start living in Portugal long-term, will I still have to pay state income tax in California? That's a great question. So what we do with our clients is we always advise them to be conscious of this state domicile because we've had so many clients, it's, it's ridiculous who they may have been outside of the US on assignment. So they may have had a, a short-term assignment just a couple of years or maybe 10 or 15 years. And then at some point they return to the return to the US and you know, understand that the federal government speaks to state and vice versa, they, there's a relationship. So you may not have told the state that you went back, but on your tax return, suddenly it indicates that you're back on US soil. And the federal government tells the state. And then you get a big bill from the state say, hey, welcome back. Here's a big bill for all that time you've been working out in France or the UK or whatever. So the important thing is to avoid that. The, the point to answer your question directly, yes, it can happen. 
even though you're physically not in California, even though you're physically not in New York, uh, most states are domicile states. So even though you're physically not in the state living, you still are deemed to be tax domicile in that state. And therefore, under some certain circumstances, your worldwide income can still be subject to state tax, even though you do not live there. So what we advise clients is pick one of like the seven states without an income tax. So, you know, Nevada, Wyoming, Texas, Florida, Alaska, you know, just pick one and re-domicile to that state. So it, how you do that is a function of facts and circumstances. You know, you would want to get a driver's license, your whole mail address, uh, you know, voter registration, basically look at ways of going to that state and uh, of basically proving that your domicile has shifted. I, I'd like to give the example of Elon Musk, right? So when he left California for Texas, he put, he had like like 30 properties or so, and he put every single one of them for sale. It was like scorched earth, all ties to, to the state of California, burns. He put everything up for sale. And it was pretty clear that his center of life had moved to Texas. So anyway, so bottom line, sit with your advisor, get advice and make sure that you domicile to another state before moving to Portugal, because you don't want any problems with California. And of all the franchise tax boards in the US, the ones that seem to give the most problems are California and Virginia for different reasons. But anyway, yeah, hope that helps payment. Next question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, this is payment again. <laughs> right, you sent in more than one, more than one email. This question, hi, this question is regarding the timing. If the cryptocurrency is purchased while living in the US and then you move to Portugal and sell it two years later while being a resident of Portugal, which country will tax me? The country where I bought it or the country where I sold it? So we spoke about that earlier with someone else who asked about crypto. So the US is gonna tax you on your worldwide income. The only way to stop that is if you give up your US citizenship, which a lot of people do. We have three or four clients every month give up their US passport or green card. So people do do it. So unless you do that, you will be subject to capital gains tax on that crypto. So the US, that's that's easy, that's done. For Portugal, if it's not considered profit or trading income, Portugal will not tax it at this point in time. So, so I see that you've held it for two years and you, you're gonna sell it. Potentially the US will tax it, Portugal will not. Okay, hope that works. And again, we're gonna get, have an opportunity to not just meet in person, but get into a lot of these topics in, in greater detail at the in-person summit that we're doing in Portugal at the end of January. So just go to hdd.taskbox slash event and you can see the, the run-up for, for, uh, for that conference. And you guys are more than welcome to attend. All right, moving down the list of questions. Okay, Keith had another question. Keith had three questions. So Augusto answered the first two before he left. And the third one, which I don't think was answered, was how are income and capital gains earned during the same tax year, but before we became Portugal tax resident having? It's a good question. It's typical, right? So both Portugal and the U.S. work on a calendar year for taxes, which is helpful because some countries do not. So it makes it kind of 
tricky. So both work in a calendar year. The good thing about Portugal is that they have they have like a split year treatment or like a dual status. So the US in the US we call it a dual status. So basically for the calendar year, potentially the transactions that had that happened before you relocated to Portugal, before you can became tax resident in Portugal, will not be taxed by Portugal. But from the time that you became tax resident onwards to the end of the year, will be taxed. So there's there's a planning opportunity there. I know people uh, want to conclude big deals. Some are selling their companies, they're going to retirement or making a you know the, an exit from their business. So you'd want to speak to an advisor and make sure that the timing is right, so that you're correct. It would happen. It's going to be taxed by the U.S. There's nothing you can do about that. But make sure you're not going to be caught by the tax net of Portugal. So you're going to get that done before. Okay. Um, skipping. So I just want to pick up this one off of Facebook. Uh, okay. This is Keith. I don't know if it's the same Keith, but or another Keith, but okay. Is Portugal tax paid a deduction against U.S. taxes or credit against U.S. taxes? Good question. The, the important principle is at the federal level, there should be no double taxation. So when you work, whoever your, your preferred tax team is, they need to understand both and they need to understand the tax treaty. So to answer your question, yes, once things are done right, regardless of the type of income, it should not be taxed twice between the federal, the IRS, and the Portugal tax authority. It will not be taxed twice. And in order to make that happen, to your point, yes, the taxes that you pay to Portugal under many circumstances would be a credit against the taxes owed to the U.S. federal government. And notice I've been very, very specific. I'm talking about the federal government. So there can be double tax at the state level, unfortunately. So if you remember in, in response to one of the earlier questions, I spoke about the importance of shifting your state domicile from one state, you know, if your home state does have taxes, so one of the seven or so states that does not have taxes, like your Wyoming, Nevada, Texas, Florida, Alaska, whatever. By doing that, you avoid hopefully state income taxes. Otherwise, states don't recognize foreign tax credits, generally speaking, they do not recognize it. So from a state point of view, if you're stuck being taxed on the side in one of the most of the states do tax, then yes, you can be double taxed. So to answer your question, at the federal level, no, you should not be double taxed once your tax team knows what they're doing. It can happen at the state level, but it can be avoided legally with proper tax planning. So get your tax planning done before you get trapped. Okay, I hope that answers your question, Keith. All right, next question, John. Is the NHR really valuable to US citizens since whatever is paid 10% or higher would end up being a credit towards US taxes. It sounds to me that the only difference is that you do pay Portugal more or less taxes than the amount that is deducted from the US. The net effect is that you're paying the same amount. That is a fair observation and assessment, John, in that you know you will always pay the higher of the two. So for example, you know, we, yeah, so you'll always pay the higher of the two. I don't need to get into it. You're right. You'll always pay the higher of the two. Now, as to whether NHR is valuable, it really depends on your circumstances. So because people, everybody's different. Some people are living on investment income. 
they you know they have substantial shares in uh, a company that throws off a lot of revenue for them in terms of dividends it works for them because dividends are tax free under the nhr whereas you know um if some we spoke, we spoke about pensions we spoke about if if you're still working well under the nhr if you're still working the the nhr can allow you to be taxed at a lower rate if you have one of those high value added high value skills and activities or, or whatever you can be taxed at a flat 20 percent as opposed to the marginal tax rate which goes up to 40 odd percent so it really depends but here's what we tell our clients it's better to have the nhr and not use it than to not have the nhr and need it because at the end of every year you may have the nhr think of it like a, a card like a trump card and we're going to get into politics but it's like a trump card you can hold on to it you decide if you want to play that card have it keep it in your back pocket look at your tax situation look at your tax and financial situation at the end of the year if it is to your advantage if you're going to be better off by playing the nhr card you're going to play it but if it is you're going to be better off by not playing it and if you have a tax team like like we do, we'll run both scenarios for you. We'll see, are you going to be better off with or without it? And we'll advise you. So choose a tax team that can help you that way. But generally speaking, get the NHR. Even if you're not going to use it, get it. Keep it in your back pocket just in case you need it. Think of it like a, a nice insurance policy. Okay. This is John. Oh, okay. Paul is asking... How are dividends taxed on the NHR? Dividends, foreign dividends, so US dividends on the NHR would be tax-free. So you can receive them tax-free into Portugal. So yeah, and, and that that is where all the controversy that we mentioned earlier, where people were, if you, you can have capital gains like from an ETF or shares or whatever, because you sell it and you use a structure, for example, the Malta Cyprus in order to receive it into Portugal as dividends. But obviously, you know, there's the spirit and letter of the law. You know, it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's up to me, it's obvious that that is not the right thing to do, but hey, people do it. So, but generally speaking, dividends are tax-free under the NHR. Once they're genuine dividends and not anything that has been recategorized as dividends. Okay. Uh, let me see, any more questions on this side? And if you have questions, feel free to type it in the box below. I'm just going through to see whether, because some of the questions are quite similar. So if we've answered something on it before, I'm not going to talk about it again, right? Uh, I'm not going to answer it again. We spoke about the timing. We spoke about crypto. No, yeah. oh, somebody's asking whether we're seeing any trends. So, so yeah, we do. I, I guess by nature, the content that we put up on our website, uh, and when we have these these live streams, we get the the highest number of RSVPs. As I think I mentioned, for Spain, number one, and Portugal is number two. So Spain and Portugal are definitely uh, popular. And we mentioned the the article from Entrepreneur Magazine that is like Portugal is like number two, and Spain is further down. So they're both in the top ten. For us, most of the work we do for Portugal is tax planning. So these are people that are planning to move and want advisory. We also spend a lot of time running scenarios. So if I were to move without structuring anything, this is what you Portugal. So we can run a mock Portugal tax return, a mock Portugal plus US tax return. 
and we can say, okay, this is your combined tax burden. And therefore, here's a planning opportunity. If you structure this, if you can do this, you can do this, you can do that. Then you can bring down your, your tax rate across both jurisdictions. We also help clients that don't know where to move. Like it's we probably every month we have someone, I can't decide between Spain and Portugal. Can you help me with both from a tax point of view? So we help them. Again, we run tax returns for Spain and for Portugal so they can see side by side what the tax impact is of, of their move. So that that's kind of like the trends we see. But definitely uh, Spain and Portugal are super popular. And yeah, don't need me to tell you that. Uh, so I'm just scrolling down, looking through comments and questions again. Okay, so John is asking another John. So spelled John is spelled differently. So what is what is needed to know about taxing an S corp from the U.S. with just one employee? My wife is a hypnotherapist and registered as an S corp, but runs much like an LLC. Now this that's a great question. And it's one in which we we encounter all the time. Uh, as I was actually speaking to someone about this yesterday, in another European country, but it's the same principle. Europe has a problem with U.S. entities that are pass-throughs. So this is LLCs and S-corps, which are more or less pass-throughs. And especially when it's a single member LLC or a single employee or a single person S-corp, it creates an issue. Now, on the surface, it would be, well, you know, it's taxed in the U.S. and whatever comes out, let's treat it as dividends. And well, in this case, under the NHL, it'll be tax-free. But as we mentioned before, well, no, you know, like LLCs and S-Corps don't do dividends, they do distributions, right? And then, so, uh, and management and control, there's, there's this thing about a management and control test. If it is that you or in this case, your wife is running that company. She's running the company from within Portugal. Then management and control is being exercised from within Portugal. And so therefore Portugal should have, should be able to tax that company, even though it's incorporated in another jurisdiction, technically is going to be subject to tax to corporate tax in, in Portugal. So yeah, so it is, it is, it can be quite a complex problem. If, uh, I'd recommend that you guys seek uh, advice on how to, to treat it. But basically, you have two options. As I told the client yesterday, you have essentially two options in most European countries. Don't rely on hiding. I know there are people that say, hide, 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 hide. Hiding is never a long-term solution. You know, I believe in sleeping well and... <laughs> not having to worry that I'm going to get caught like um, certain celebrities got caught in Spain and uh, facing, I don't know if you heard about Shakira, don't hide, deal with things the right way up front, right? So basically you have two, you have two options. One, make sure you have real economic substance in the US. So hire a CEO, you know, get someone to run the business. So your wife can continue to be an employee of the pastor of the corporation. But let it be seen that there's a real, that real decisions, there's somebody else in control and the real key strategic decisions are being made in the U.S. That's the option one. Option two, incorporate a company in Portugal. If, if Portugal is going to be your center of life and this is where you guys are going to call home, do things the right way. Let's, you know, start off your, 
your time being a, a resident on your pathway to citizenship in Portugal. Let's do things the right way from day one. So set up a company in Portugal and invoice your clients via a company. Just, just do things right. So those are essentially your two options for a pass-through, whether it be an LLC or an S-Corp. Uh, I know that's probably not what you wanted to hear, especially because, you know, uh, it could be the, the tax rate, depending on what and how you structure it. It can put you in a situation where uh, taxes are going to be higher or the cost basis for the company is going to be higher. So therefore, your profit margin is going to be reduced. But, you know, again, it's best to do things the right way. Hope that helps. All right. Okay. Okay. You're welcome. All right, looking up, we are at the top of the hour. So thank you very much for joining us. This is being recorded, as you know, when you entered this. So it's going to be, we put it on, obviously it's on YouTube because it's live streamed there. It's going to be on Facebook. It's going to be on about 22, 23 podcast platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon. Basically, wherever you get your favorite podcast is going to be there. If if you want to look at it again, it's available for viewing. If you want to share it with friends or colleagues, you can do so during using any one of those platforms. And again, we encourage you, if you know you're serious about Portugal or if you're just serious about that international lifestyle, you don't need to be in one country. You can enjoy the benefits of being resident in multiple countries because you know one country is not perfect. No country is perfect, so you can enjoy the best that each country has to offer. We can talk about multiple residencies. We can talk about that offshore international life. So we're going to have that offshore nomad summit. That's next January. You can find out more at hg.tax forward slash events. Thank you very much, guys. And we'll see you next time. Have a good evening or day. Bye-bye. So if you're a six, seven, or eight-figure investor, entrepreneur, or business owner who needs a tailor-made solution from a qualified team of professionals, we can help you achieve the international lifestyle, the freedom, and even the tax savings you're looking for. Visit us at htj.tax and live that international life.